Hello again, everyone. This is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. This is episode 186, and today we're diving into pharmacology, talking about one of the most commonly prescribed drugs in the United States. Before we hop into that, let's take a quick minute for a really great listener shout out. So this one goes out to Ashley, and Ashley says, Hi, Nurse Mo. I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate everything I have learned from you. I just started nursing classes a few weeks ago, and yes, it is a lot of work, but with all of your tips on organization, prep work, dimensional analysis, boot camp, and the mindset edit videos, I have been keeping up and hanging on. Thank you so much. Ashley, I just want to say thank you for taking the time. I know your schedule is really busy, and anytime students take the time to write me or submit some kind of a review on the podcast makes me just so, so happy. It just absolutely makes my day. So thank you so much, Ashley. I'm so glad that the tools that I provide are helping you in nursing school. So Ashley is talking about the boot camp in her shout out, and the boot camp is on sale right now, you guys. It is my nursing school prep course, and it is on sale right now. Link in the episode notes. So again, today we're talking about a very commonly prescribed drug, and we're talking about gabapentin. It is actually in that top 100 list of most prescribed medications in the U.S., so there's a really good chance that it's going to show up on your NCLEX, on your nursing school exams. Definitely, you will see it in your clinicals. So let's go through the key things that you need to know about this medication using the straight A nursing drugs framework, okay? So drugs has two R's in it, if you guys are taking notes. So the first letter is D, and that is for drug class. Anytime you guys can learn about a medication by its drug class, it's going to help you very much apply that broader concept to other medications that are in the same class. So gabapentin is classified therapeutically in a few different ways. It is classified as an anticonvulsant, an analgesic adjunct, and a mood stabilizer. Since the exact mechanism of gabapentin is unknown, it's one of those drugs that isn't in your typical pharmacologic class. We do know, however, that it has some similar structures to GABA, G-A-B-A, but it does not bind to the same receptors or influence the uptake or synthesis of GABA. It just has some similar structures. For this reason, you may see it referred to as a GABA mimetic agent. So gabapentin binds to Voltage-gated calcium channels, which is what we think gives it its ability to prevent seizure, block the detection of painful stimuli, and also reduce anxiety. Now, here's something really interesting about gabapentin. It doesn't directly act on dopamine or serotonin receptors, but studies do show that gabapentin can increase total blood levels of serotonin in some people. 
So as you can see, it's a really interesting drug. You're going to see it given for a lot of reasons, a variety of reasons. We'll talk more about that when we get to the uses of gabapentin in a bit. But to recap, it is classified therapeutically as an anticonvulsant, an analgesic adjunct, and a mood stabilizer. Okay, so let's talk about R in the drugs framework. The first R is routes. Some drugs will have multiple routes of administration, so it's always good to know the routes with which you could give a certain medication, but gabapentin is not one of those. It has one route, and that is the PO route, by mouth. It comes in capsules, immediate and extended release tablets, and an oral elixir. So that part was easy. Let's do the next letter in the drugs framework, which is another R, and that's for regular dose range. So it's really helpful to have a general idea of how this medication is dosed. Though, of course, anytime you guys are giving medications at the bedside, I want you double checking every single thing. But it's good to have a general idea of what the normal dose ranges are so that let's say the MD gives you a verbal order for eight grams gabapentin, I want you to know, wow, that's a whopping huge dose, and then make sure that you repeat that back and clarify, right? Or if you see an order for eight grams gabapentin, you investigate that maybe a little bit further before you just go and, and blindly give it. Yes, sometimes patients will get different doses based on their condition, right? But always double check anytime it's outside of that regular dose range. So the typical dose of gabapentin in adults ranges from 300 to 600 milligrams given three times a day. That's typically what you will see. Now, of course, some people are going to need more to get the desired results. So you could see doses that go up to 1,200 milligrams given three times a day. Think about this max daily dose of 3,600 milligrams a day. So if someone's getting 1,200 milligrams three times a day, they're hitting that max daily dose of 3,600 milligrams per day. Also note that doses will typically be lower in adults who have renal impairment and of course, always lower in children and weight-based most of the time. Okay, so the regular dose range for gabapentin is 300 to 600 milligrams given three times a day. You may see up to 1,200 milligrams given three times per day. That max dose, though, looking at about 3,600 milligrams per day with reduced dosing in renal impairment. The next letter in the drugs framework is uses, and this is where gabapentin gets really interesting. So gabapentin's official and approved uses will vary based on the formulation, and there are three. We have Neurontin, Grelise, and Horizon. So the approved uses are as an adjunct treatment for partial seizure, and that would be Neurontin. Also, to treat the pain of post-herpetic neuralgia, so shingles pain, and that is Neurontin and Grelise, and to manage restless leg syndrome, and that one for the approved use is Horizon. However, gabapentin is often used 
off-label for a wide variety of conditions. In fact, one study that I found revealed that 83% of gabapentin prescriptions were for off-label use. So some of these common reasons that gabapentin is prescribed off-label are neuropathic pain and diabetic neuropathy. I see this all the time. I, in fact, see this more than I see it prescribed for its actual labeled uses. That is just my clinical experience, but you will see it all the time for neuropathic pain, diabetic neuropathy. Also, bipolar disorder and anxiety. Migraine prevention is another one. Complex regional pain syndrome and fibromyalgia are also commonly prescribed reasons. Trigeminal neuralgia, attention deficit disorder, and seizures secondary to alcohol and drug withdrawal. So those are just some of them. There are all kinds. So the point I want to make with this is that if you see that your patient in clinical or on a case study or when you're working out there as a nurse is prescribed gabapentin, don't assume they have a seizure disorder or post-herpatic neuralgia or restless leg syndrome. It could be all kinds of different things. Find out why your particular patient is taking it. Okay, so the next letter in our very simple drugs framework is guidelines. This is kind of a catch-all category for all those things that you need to know about gabapentin to administer it safely. So kind of the nursing guidelines, nursing implications. So here are some things that you need to know about gabapentin. So it will have decreased effectiveness if taken with antacids, as many, many medications do. So make sure the patient knows and that you know to separate these medications by at least two hours. You wouldn't want to give antacids and gabapentin too close together. Also, patients taking other CNS depressants will have increased risk for respiratory and CNS depression if they're also taking gabapentin. This includes alcohol, antihistamines even, sedatives, and opioids. And this is a theme that you will see over and over again. Anytime you have a medication that depresses CNS function, okay, this one is trying to prevent the patient from having seizures, right? Trying to prevent them from feeling pain. Anytime you have CNS depression, it can be compounded when other medications that cause CNS depression are taken. So this is a common theme you will see. It's a very common safety consideration. It's also important to know that even seemingly harmless things like chamomile, valerian, and kava kava can potentiate that CNS depression of gabapentin. So it's not always just medications that cause that CNS depression. It can be herbal things as well. When we're looking at Neurontin and Horizont, those two could be taken without any regard to the patient's meals, but Horizont is typically taken around 5 p.m. because it's to treat restless leg syndrome, and the symptoms of that are most troublesome at night when the patient is trying to sleep. So even though you're not giving Horizont in regards to meals, it will be given at a certain time of day, and typically that's around 5 p.m. Now, Grelease should be taken with the evening meal for maximum bioavailability. So that one will be taken with food. You also want to make sure your patient knows that scored tablets 
can be cut in half if needed to get their required dose, and they shouldn't hang on to that scored tablet forever. They need to take it within a day or so, otherwise it's going to lose effectiveness. So teach them to score the tablet if they need to for their dose and then take the other half with their next dose so it's not sitting around too long and losing effectiveness. Okay, let's get into S, the last segment of our drugs framework for gabapentin. And this is for the side effects. The most common side effects with gabapentin are dizziness, drowsiness, maybe some confusion, and depression. I would say what I see the most often clinically, and mind you, I'm typically not giving it to patients for the very first time. Typically, I'm giving it to patients who've been taking it for a while, but the most common thing that I see is some drowsiness and maybe possibly some dizziness with that. Anytime you're starting a medication on someone that is new for them, you always want to be hyper aware that absolutely any side effect could happen. So you're going to have a lot of safety considerations around that. Now, the most significant or very serious side effects are suicidal ideation. You will see that commonly with CNS type medications. Stevens-Johnson syndrome rhabdomyolysis, and even hypersensitivity reactions like angioedema and anaphylaxis. So those are the most serious ones, but the most common ones, again, are some dizziness, some drowsiness, maybe some confusion, and some depression. So the nursing implications for that are, again, when you're starting this therapy or increasing the dosage, be hyper aware that patients should be monitored very closely for adverse effects, especially depression and suicidal ideation. Very, very serious. You also want to assess the patient for a fall risk, secondary to that drowsiness, that dizziness. Anytime your patient is taking a medication that makes them dizzy or drowsy, they're basically going to be considered a fall risk, okay? So you want to make sure that when you stand them up, they're not too dizzy, Watch and see how much help they need to get, you know, from the bed to the bathroom. It might be that you need to say, okay, Bob, this medication makes you really drowsy. When you need to get up to go to the bathroom, you need to call me, okay? So that might be what you need to do with Bob. You want to assess the patient for confusion, which can happen, and reorient them as necessary. Hopefully that confusion is transient. And always, always monitoring for those life-threatening reactions. So that's angioedema. And anaphylaxis, which can cause airway closure. You would need to be prompt on top of those. Rhabdomyolysis can lead to acute renal failure. So if your patient suddenly starts saying they have muscle pain, they're very weak, their urine is reddish brown, highly, highly suspicious for rhabdomyolysis. And then Stevens-Johnson syndrome can often just start out with kind of these flu-like symptoms, but then progress to very painful rash and blisters and a sloughing of the skin. And Stevens-Johnson syndrome, generally these patients lose so much of their skin, they should be in a burn unit, depending on the severity. But Stevens-Johnson syndrome is a very, very serious condition. So that is your basic guideline for gabapentin. Let's go through and do a little bit of pod quizzing to see how well you understand this drug. And then if you like the pod quizzing format, I invite you to check out my private podcast called Study Sesh, which is 
mostly pod quizzing. There's some other formats in there for audio learning as well, but it's a lot of pod quizzes. So let's go through some pod quiz questions on gabapentin. All right. There are three different therapeutic uses that gabapentin is FDA approved for. Do you remember what those were? If so, name them here. So anticonvulsant, analgesic adjunct, and mood stabilizer. Very, very good. What is the route for gabapentin administration? It is given by mouth. Very nice. And then when we look at the regular dose range for gabapentin, what is the max recommended daily dose? Thirty-six hundred milligrams per day, and you'll typically see that divided out into three doses. Okay, so what medication will you avoid giving within two hours of gabapentin? Antacids. Excellent, excellent. Your patient is taking Horizon. What condition are they taking Horizon for? Most likely restless leg syndrome. I should have said if they're taking it for an FDA-approved reason. What about the FDA-approved indication for Neurontin? There are two of them. So one of them is that adjunct treatment for partial seizure. So you'll see a given along with another anticonvulsant-type medication and also, Neurontin is used for the pain of post-herpetic neuralgia. What is Grelease used for if you're looking at the FDA-approved indications? Post-herpetic neuralgia. Very, very good. At what time of day should the patient take their Horizon medication? That is typically taken around 5 p.m. because we want the patient to be able to sleep and not have too many symptoms of their restless leg syndrome. Which medication is taken with the evening meal? That is Grelease. And when you're looking at Neurontin, do you take that with meals, without meals? Does it matter? Neurontin can be taken without regard to meals. So when you're starting therapy or increasing therapy, what very significant side effect are you watching your patient for? Obviously, there are a lot. Let's say this one is a mental health type assessment. Definitely monitoring for depression and suicidal ideation. 
any patient who's taking a medication that makes them dizzy or drowsy should be assessed for what? Fall risk. Very good. What two life-threatening reactions can cause airway closure when taking gabapentin? Angioedema and anaphylaxis. What is the serious life-threatening reaction that can lead to acute renal failure and involves reddish-brown urine and muscle pain and weakness? Rhabdomyolysis. And what is the serious life-threatening condition that can result as a adverse effect of gabapentin that causes sloughing of the skin? Stevens-Johnson syndrome. And there you have it, you guys, your quick guide to gabapentin. I hope it helps you understand one of the most commonly prescribed medications and definitely one that you will see in the clinical setting. Now, I know you guys like these pharmacology ones because students struggle with pharmacology. I love it. I find it so fascinating. So if you go to the website and you click on blog or podcast at the top, depending on if you want to read or listen, just scroll down and select pharmacology from the drop down menu and you will see all the pharmacology topics that I've covered on the website and the podcast. And again, if you like the pod quizzing, then I want you to check out study sesh and I will put the link to that in the episode notes as well. Or if you just go to the website and you search for study sesh, it's going to come up for you. Now, again, boot camp is on sale right now. If you're listening to this in real time, I'm putting the link below as well for that. Crucial Concepts Boot Camp is my nursing school prep course to help prepare incoming students for nursing school success. And it covers just a wide variety of core foundation concepts and tips that will really help you go into nursing school feeling so much more confident and ready for anything. So check that out in the episode notes, and I will see you again very soon. In our next episode, we are continuing our series of the secrets of successful nursing students, and next week it is secret number five. And then following that, we're diving into a condition a few days later that I used to think was so rare that I would never see it, but I've actually seen it quite a few times, and that is necrotizing fasciitis. So check back soon, and I will see you guys then. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing.